Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray. that right thunderous thursday edition glad to have you with us here guest driven show today as we line them up knock them down today tj reeves is going to join us from tampa bay talking about the latest with the buccaneers and of course breaking news coming out of tampa bay there jay cornegay our man on the scene at the westgate las vegas at the Superbook. He will join us later on this hour. Speaking of that, of course, we will be out there tomorrow, our Friday home, each and every Friday and other special occasions at the Superbook of Las Vegas. So come on out, see the show live tomorrow. Best bets, we are getting ready, doing the handicapping, ready to get busy this weekend with the NFL playoffs. We talk more NFL playoffs, the divisional round coming at you Saturday and Sunday Two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Going to be a fantastic weekend for that. So uh, get ready as we uh, start uh, handicapping the games today and and on tomorrow's show as well, too. Speaking of handicapping, Andy Isco is going to join us today from the Logical Approach. Longtime Vegas legend, Andy Isco. Love having him on. So he's going to join us today and, uh, again, diagnose some winners. B-Sal checks in with us today. Brian Salmon. Over at News 3, I think he is, his arm and his, uh, his forearm and wrist are still hurting. If you happen to see B-Sal cranking the horn at T-Mobile Arena the other night for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's right. B-Sal got in a little appearance wearing a, uh, gold Golden Knights jersey. So that was pretty cool. So we'll talk to B-Sal about that today. So yeah. A lot of guests uh, coming your way today, and again, predominantly a lot of football talk. So make sure that you uh, hang tight uh, for that here today. All right, but uh, we do start with the breaking news uh, coming out of not only Tampa Bay, but Baltimore and Miami uh, as well. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, fire offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich today. And uh, this is some some news because... Byron Leftwich, as we have been told, that was a pretty good confidant of Tom Brady. Uh, Byron Leftwich, four seasons as the offensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, gets fired. He was also their play caller on the offense as well, too. But, hey, heads are going to roll anytime that uh, you feel that you've underperformed. And uh, that's uh, the case there in Tampa Bay as uh, the Buccaneers' offense really struggled. And we saw that. At the forefront happened on Monday night as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, were eliminated from further playoff contention as they lose. And uh, so Byron Leftwich, potentially the fall guy, Todd Bowles, not only decided to get rid of Leftwich, but a total of nine assistant coaches altogether. Uh, six were fired, three were uh, retired, 
or our guests, you know, decided, hey, okay, we'll, we'll go out to, on this end here. So uh, we'll dive into that uh, with T.J. Reeves here in a couple moments. Uh, Baltimore also uh, fires their offense coordinator, Greg Roman. Four seasons at the helm there, just like Leftwich uh, in Baltimore. And Greg Roman, obviously there's a disconnect there. Many people think that, okay, is there a disconnect with John Harbaugh, also with Lamar Jackson? But you got to remember, I mean, Lamar Jackson probably had his best year as a pro in Greg Roman's very first year there in Baltimore. Because in twenty in 2019, they were the number-ranked offense in football. Uh, the run game has been number one since 2019, but the offense declined steadily each and every year. This past year, they ranked 19th, only scoring 21 points per game. So you've got that there in Baltimore. So uh, John Harbaugh, uh, very open, adamant, saying, hey, we are going to uh, cast a very wide net here, and we are going to find ourselves the best offensive coordinator that we possibly can here to fill this role. So we will have to see what happens there. All right. And uh, you also have the uh, Miami Dolphins making some uh, coaching changes uh, as well, too, as uh, Mike McDaniel uh, got rid of a coordinator. So a lot of things happening there in the Miami Dolphins uh, front. So as the Dolphins uh, announced two coaching changes to Mike McDaniel's staff here, as uh, the Dolphins uh, announced today that they parted ways with defensive coordinator uh, Josh Boyer, so um, also safeties coach um, and outside linebackers coach uh, Ty McKenzie and Steve Gregory uh, also relieved of their duties as well too. So uh, a lot happening on the forefront there in the NFL, of course, plenty to talk about, too, with the divisional playoff games. We'll get into that today, too. All right, but uh, for more on this situation with Byron Leftwich and what is going on in Tampa Bay, let's talk to our good friend T.J. Reeves. We last talked to him on Monday as uh, he was there at Raymond James Stadium and uh, was hoping for a better result. Uh, but what happened, as we know, the Dallas Cowboys rolled over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, now the uh, the firings happening there. And, you know, we've gone through this before uh, when there are changes uh, we bring it to you live on the spot. T.J. Reeves joins us now, the Buccaneer silent reporter. T.J., what's going on, brother? Always good to be with the doctor, and I had such high hopes on Monday night that we would be talking about Buccaneers in the divisional round with the San Francisco 49ers, and instead we're talking about help-wanted signs, plural, in the window uh, at one Buccaneer place. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was not pretty Monday, and you expected there could be a change or two, but they cleaned house, as you just said to the audience. They cleaned house on the offensive side of the ball. And it's an important point, TC, that when Todd Bowles got the job late February, when this whole uh, situation unfolded with Tom Brady unretiring and then Bruce Arians electing to step aside, retire, go into the front office, and Todd Bowles being named as the coach, all of that kind of happened together. There was no opportunity for him to pick different staff members. That process was long over, post-Super Bowl and already into the beginning of free agency, actually. So now you can understand where he's a veteran coach, he's got people that he's comfortable with, and so now he's got the chance and the authority to make coaching changes, and that's what he wants to do. So 
again, on the surface, it looks like, wow, this is maybe an overreaction or, or what's going on here. But he didn't have the chance to do this a year ago, is my point, to begin the convo. No, and you're and you're right. This is a situation where a head coach comes in and wants to have his own staff. We get that. But, you know, you use the term overreaction. I definitely think it's a lot of overreaction at a lot of different places. I mean, think about what is going on. And it gets worse and worse. And I say worse and worse for those people that have jobs and lose their jobs because there are now 10 teams with offensive coordinator openings. Think about this. Ten teams. That's a third of the NFL, right? The Ravens, the Bucks, the Chargers, the Commanders, the Titans, the Rams, the Jets, the Patriots, the Colts, the Cardinals. It's a pretty decent, you know, pieces on a lot of those teams, right? But I cannot remember a time when we're talking about ten offensive coordinator openings. Are you kidding me? But this yeah, is the modern day of the uh, NFL where we say, hey, you know, they say not for long. That is so true. And so, yeah, is there some haste there? There's no question. Is it overreaction? There's no question. And I think that you have that in your land there. Now, let's go back to Todd Bowles for a second because, you know, we, you and I have talked about this many, many times. I'm not a Todd Bowles fan. This guy has not proven anything as a head coach in the NFL prior to Tampa or his one season there in Tampa. So is Byron Leftwich, in your opinion, TJ, is, is he the fall? All guy for this because I know there are a lot of people that had question. Hey, is Todd Bowles is, is he going to be back in the office? You know, come Tuesday after that embarrassing playoff loss on Monday, is Leftwich a fall guy or does Leftwich really deserve to be let go? Well, the only people that know the truth about that behind the scenes are Todd Bowles, the general manager Jason Light, and the Glazers about what the true feelings were and, and what the blame is. Now, on the outside. This is a move that's being lauded locally because the local media, the local sports radio, uh, the Internet here, the blogs, the, uh, the sites, they have been calling for this even since midseason. So this is being applauded as this is what should have happened uh, here. Um, look, I mean, we, we know what the truth is, too, that Bruce Arians was a tremendous offensive mind and, and overseer of this situation. You don't accidentally coordinate in the NFL, speaking of coordinators, uh, for 25 years of your career. That's his background, play calling an offensive coordinator with success as a coach of the year and a playoff winning coach in Indianapolis, a playoff winning coach and a play caller in Arizona, and then a Super Bowl winning coach in Tampa Bay. All right, so you take him out of the equation, which they did, and, and now you've got Byron Leftwich there with Tom Brady, and it's obvious that Tom Brady was not running the same type of downfield throwing offense that that uh, the Bucks did for the last couple of years with great success by winning the Super Bowl and then and then in 2021 still winning 13 games and making the playoffs. They were a different offense this year, a lot more short passing, not as much Mike Evans, and obviously not near the success as well. You know, TJ, that just a last year, Byron Leftwich was considered for head coaching jobs. I mean, he interviewed, right, with the Jaguars and, and I think even maybe uh, another team or two as well, too. This guy was a hot commodity to be a head coach. And in one year, okay, the offense sputters. Yep. But we knew, okay, and especially you, we talked about it, that this offense was probably going to struggle because of the offensive line, the pieces that were missing there. Right. So, I mean, is this fair for a guy that was just a year removed from being one of the hottest commodities to be a head coach and they thought he's a pretty darn good offensive coordinator for him to lose his job now? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this is how much of this is an offensive coordinator's fault? 
or a head coach's fault when you really don't have the same pieces that you had on that Super Bowl team just two years ago. Yeah, that's a great point, too, and you're right. I mean, you talk about what might have been. He was offered that Jaguar job, and his concern there was working with the current GM, who's still the GM, Trent Baalke. He wanted a different personnel guy, if not GM, to help him pick the players, somebody he was more comfortable with in Arizona. And interestingly, Doug Peterson, former Super Bowl winning coach, said, hey, I'm fine with that arrangement. I will come be the coach, and look at this. Now they've had success. They've made the playoffs. They've won a playoff game. So you talk about what might have been. Uh, again, I will defend Leftwich to this extent. He was the guy, and people were wondering, was Byron calling plays for Bruce Arians? Absolutely. Byron Leftwich was calling plays most of the time, if not the vast majority of the time, only occasionally he might get overruled by Bruce Arians in a game on, no, we're not calling that on fourth down, or let's do this instead. Most of the time, it was Byron Leftwich calling the plays. So he didn't suddenly uh, unlearn that or not know how to do that. So, so I think that's a fair point as well in his defense. And I think Byron will land somewhere probably as a quarterback coach and then move his way right back up. Uh, to an offensive coordinator opportunity and probably fairly soon. He's a bright guy. He's a former quarterback in the league. So let's stay tuned and see what happens. They're making this sound there in Tampa that this was Todd Bowles' call here. Is, do you, is it 100% his call? Because, again, this is a, a guy that's just it, had one year as a head coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I, I get it. Okay, He wants to assemble his own staff. Or... Again, going back to the fall guy type of thing, because, hey, someone has to answer for this, you know, uh, the offensive results that the Buccaneers had this year. What do you think? Is this coming from above or this 100% Todd Bowles saying, no, nah, I want get, I want to get rid of this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, et cetera, all the way down the line times nine? Well, here, here I have to be clear with you. I don't have this on any authority from him. He hasn't spoken about it, but the indication, if you're wiping that entire side of the ball clean, and you mentioned it, Todd McNair, the running back coach, Kevin Garber, the receivers coach, Rick Christopher, the offensive line coach, they're all gone in this deal. That, that says to me that's a head coach that wants to start over and wants his offensive coordinator to be able to pick who are the other assistants that I am bringing, and Todd to also pick, uh, Todd Bolt to also pick, who are the other guys that are going to complement the offensive coordinator. So um, I, I think it's – and a lot of times this is some insight too. A lot of, a lot of the times these guys get that in their contract, that they have control over their staff. They have say-so over their staff. And, and in other words, you can't just come to them and say, hey, you've got to fire your offensive coordinator. And there have been clashes with many organizations over uh, having that in your contract. You're going to get rid of this guy. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I have it in my contract. I don't have to get rid of him. Uh, we don't care. And then it becomes a, hey, if you don't do what we want, we're going to get rid of you too as the head coach. Mm -hmm. That has happened before. So I, I believe this is more a byproduct, not only of how bad they were, but he didn't get to make any of these decisions last year when he became the head coach, mm -hmm. Todd Bowles we're talking about, because of the late date in which he got it. All right, uh, T.J. Reeves joins us uh, from Tampa Bay, talking about Byron Leftwich fired today as the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm actually proud of the doctor because you have gone like more than seven or eight minutes and not gloated, and you you deservedly should <laughs> about how you told me over and over again Monday night the Cowboys were going to roll, and I and I doubted you, and you were right. 
I, they empowered the Cowboys. I, they energized them, and they're still alive. I appreciate that. And again, it was, and I'm not, I'm not going to gloat because, again, when you visit the cashier in the sports book, I mean, that's all the gloating that you really need, my friend. You know, and uh, I just, and again, nothing against the Buccaneers. I just thought it was a, a uh, just advan- an advantageous matchup, you know, for the Cowboys. But I will be right against the Cowboys this week because I think San Francisco will take care uh, of business. But uh, are you saying that Dak Prescott's not going to complete 25 out of 30 passes? as he did the other night against the Buccaneers, literally. He that, threw three exactly. incompletions it's not to begin the game. You know, it's not and then he completed 25 out of 30 after that. You're saying that will not happen in San Francisco against the 49er defense. It, it, I think I agree with you. There, as you should. As you should. So let me say this, too. You know, When, you, when we're talking about uh, the, the game on Monday night, and I, I really felt bad for you. I mean, when I see... <laughs> You know, six nothing, twelve nothing, eighteen nothing, twenty-four nothing. But my here's my real question, T. Jerry's the sideline reporter of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Is there any truth to the rumor that T.J. Reeves was in the viewpoint or the angle of Brett Maher? Were, were you struck by that cable or that second cable or that third cable that missed or that fourth cable? Were you wide right? Were you wide left? T.J. Reeves, did you get struck on the head? And what the hell was going on with Brett Maher? Uh, that's a great question because once he missed the second one, you're beginning to think, <laughs> what's wrong with him? Is there something physically wrong with him? And then when he hooked that third extra point wide left, I'm down there going, this is the most bizarre thing. Were you They're ducking? Were you ducking yourself down there? Wait, I'm, 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 in, I'm in line here. What's going on? Uh, well, right. I mean, do they have another kicker? Uh, is Rafael Septian available? There's oh, a very name nice. from the past very the doctor. Nice. I like that. Uh, moving forward. By the way, Chris Boniel, who was an outstanding Cowboys kicker, was 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 the kicking coach for the Buccaneers. He got let go today as well by uh, by Todd Bowles. Uh, you know, I found well, there's one other interesting thing, Doctor. This is interesting, and, and this came out through Pro Football Talk, and I saw it through the Dallas media as well, and it's been confirmed. One thing the NFL has been warning teams about is don't do any hanky-panky with trying to do something with field goals or extra points with the spot of the ball or uh, using any enhancements. Yes. And the Cowboys, what the Cowboys have been doing, apparently, and this is where the complaint maybe came in, is using a discolored piece of turf or something for this is the this is the spot of the ball when I pick my hand up. This is where I'm going to put it down. And on Monday night, the punter holder Brian Anger on the first kick had done that, and and Meyer missed it anyway. By the way, and then the NFL told him that the officials down on the field told him you can't do that anymore. So he was told you cannot use the the discolored white piece of turf that you're using as a as an enhanced uh, spot here besides having your hand down there. And so then Maher, now it's in his head. You know, kickers, kickers, anything gets in their head. It gets weird. And it got very weird the other night. And my my question is, can the doctor make a field goal? The doctor can, available. I can nail it. you know they don't trust him Sunday night in San Francisco. They can't trust well, him that's Sunday why Well, that's why they went and got a backup. They they actually tried right. guys out, and they, and they got somebody. But to your point here, just for people that aren't aware of the story, this is true. And TJ, it just wasn't Monday night, okay? Maher has been doing this for a long time, and it kind of went just under the radar. So what he's doing is, okay, especially in grass fields, you can get away with this. So they take a – he loves that left hash mark, okay? And so they'll take a piece of the white grass that's painted uh, you yep. know, with the, the, the white – the hash mark, and then they'll take that blade of grass – or two, and then stick it down, and this is, okay, the point. So he's got his eyeballs focused on that. 
And then, so when the referee said, "Hey, hey, hey you you can't do that anymore," it's like, "Well, uh-huh. uh, where's my where's my spot?" So he, <laughs> this has been a long time that he's actually been doing this. And guess what? He is not the only guy that's been doing this. And for right. a lot of people that don't know, there's been shenanigans like this going on forever with kickers. When you go, like, say, to Cleveland or Pittsburgh or those places, they will actually t- try to take a, a a mound of the of the sod or the dirt and place it and give them like a little bit of a tee. Remember, Daniel Carlson got busted because he they, they, he started using a tee. He was bringing out a tee, a very small tee out there, and then referees right. would let this go and let this go, but now. Now they're going like, okay, well, wait a minute. This is just a blade of grass. This isn't an enhancement because the rules are very clear. You cannot use anything to enhance. Like a T is ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. So is this, you know, the same thing as a T when we're taking a blade of grass? Well, it is enhancing the kicker, maybe mentally or his eyeballs, I guess, so to speak. But yet this is how quirky these kickers and punters, these clowns are. They're totally, but this has been going on for well, a long and time. We, and we're old enough to remember that there were all these theories that the Raiders, speaking of the Raiders in Oakland, were using with the late Ray guy, were using helium in the footballs, that he had such great hang time that they were putting helium in the footballs. Then there was other talk from other teams that they would take those K-balls and, and put them like in a dryer, in a closed dryer to make them warmer, to make them softer, to make them fly farther, all kinds of shenanigans. You're right with kickers, but... That I mean, that was as bizarre as anything I have seen, especially when he duck hooked the third one and hit the upright off off the right hash. I'm like, this guy's toast. And, and then how crazy is it that, that the final nail in the coffin touchdown is because they had no confidence in him kicking a field goal and went for it on fourth and five in field goal range, and Dak Prescott throws a touchdown anyway to CeeDee Lamb. But that will definitely be a factor I believe both kickers will probably be active on Sunday, as crazy as that is. That or nuts. maybe Maher is inactive on Sunday. How crazy would that be? So we, for a we kick? You, you talked about the, the firings. Okay, you got you got nine assistant coaches that got let go, including is this true, TJ Reeves? Your girl Lori Locust, she got the, uh, the assistant D line coach. They Todd Bowles fired a woman. How come I don't I don't hear women's rights groups going nuts here? I mean, if we hear that a African American male gets fired, we're going crazy here. But I, I probably I think the only woman, one of the few women that are assistant coaches in the NFL gets fired for what did she do? What she do? Well, again, she's been here for four years. She put out a very gracious post on social media a little while ago as well, acknowledging this and thanking Bruce Arians and thanking the Buccaneers and even thanking Todd Bowles for the opportunity to coach for four years. That's class on her part. Uh, I like her a lot, but obviously they're they're making changes. Again, they they fired uh, uh, Todd McNair as the running backs coach. The, and you know, again, Kevin Garver has had multiple times where Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have gone to the Pro Bowl as the receivers coach. He's out. So, they, uh, you know, Bonio has been the kicker, and Ryan Suckup's made practically every field goal the last three years for the Buccaneers, and he's out as the kicking coach. So it's across the board. I understand your point about Lori Locust. Uh, but it's part, you know, it's part of coaching. You are hired to be fired. There's no doubt. Yeah. Doctor. All right. Uh, real quick here. So let's talk yes. about Tom Brady, the performance yes. that he had. We saw 
uh, you know, him yelling at linemen again, uh, whoever he was yelling at. Give us some details about that. And then the feeling about Tom Brady now. Obviously, there's talk that, okay, he was saying his goodbyes, and it's it's it for him. Obviously, he's not going to come out and say it, uh, whether he's you know wants to play one more year elsewhere, whether he wants to come back to Tampa Bay. But just kind of put a, a bow on everything from what you saw and what you were hearing uh, there in Tampa Bay regarding Brady as he exited the field possibly for the last time on Monday night. Okay, so at field level, I was right there 20 feet away from that tunnel where he ran over to his mother and father and kissed them uh, as he left the tunnel. That's highly unusual. He had never done that before. He didn't do it after the Rams lost last year in the playoffs. And then he had the uh, the press conference, which you've played the sound bites and everybody else had, where he's thanking the media, and it seemed to be past tense, like he's gone. I don't have any insight here, but uh, clearly they're prepared one way or the other, but they've got to be prepared for him to say that's it again, which is what happened a year ago. And it happened a year ago, uh, about two weeks, 13 days after that loss to the Rams, he came back around uh, and said, that's it. I-, I would be surprised if we don't have an answer probably by the end of next week. And it may be quicker than that on, I am still playing and remember different this time. He's an, he's available to be an unrestricted free agent. He can play anywhere. It's his choice. So, the Bucks will probably let this go a little bit, but then they're going to have to have an indication. Are you back here? And if not, then we've got to start figuring out our own salary cap, which they're over the cap, and we've got to figure out what we're doing at quarterback and how we make that happen. So stay tuned, but it was, it was definitely a feel of that's it. And i got to be honest with you because I've been on with you a bunch the last three years. At this point, 2022 was a bonus, and it's absurd. Nobody was talking about a fourth year, 2023 when this all came about. So all of this is gravy. All of this is a bonus. And if it is over, you got a Super Bowl. You got three playoff years out of it. And now time to time to move on. And it may be it may be that he's done playing everywhere and headed to the TV booth. We'll could, see. Could be. All right, final thing here on the Bucks. Uh do you get this feeling that this could be maybe the turn of a down cycle for the Bucks of just everything that we're seeing? I mean, Bruce Arians, okay. Uh, you know, everything that happened this year with this team and with Tom Brady potentially, you know, it, it being over for him. It, it could this be a, a rebuild type of draft in, in season? And are we going to get into that? You know, I don't want to say, you know, go back to, to the seventies or the eighties, how bad the Bucks were, but doesn't it just kind of seem like, okay, they reached are that you pinnacle. Are trying to make me feel bad on a Thursday before no. I go have dinner with the family? No, no, no. Are you trying, are you no because you know this. That? Because you, I know what you're asking. Yeah. yeah. And it's entirely yes. possible, entirely possible that they're going to take their lumps this season and have to rebuild, get younger, retool with the salary cap. But here's the great thing about the NFL. You can restock with some players. You can rebuild with your salary cap for a year because, again, they've got salary cap problems. They're going to probably have to cut several significant people. They either take a pay cut or are gone completely. So you may be looking at maybe a year in which you struggle. But in the NFL, you can be right back within a couple of years. You should be right back within a couple of years if you do it the right way with the draft and with managing your salary cap. So Jason Light has done a tremendous job of going and getting young players out of the draft. Rashad White, the running back, Jake, uh, Jake Camarda, the kicker, uh, the punter, kickoff guy, uh, um, K. in the tight end. They're all out of this year's draft. And you've drafted players like Tristan Wirfs, who may be the best right tackle in football, Devin White, the middle linebacker. Those are all draft picks. Carlton Davis, your number one cover corner, that's a draft pick. So retooled in the draft, 
rework the cap, and you're right, you may take your lumps. You may take your lumps for 2023. But then again, you've got enough weapons on offense, you may be competitive. You may be like a 500 caliber team, and that's all that it took to win the NFC South this year. So let's just see. Stay tuned. First, first order of business is what is Tom Brady doing? Second order of business, who's the offensive coordinator, and what are you doing at quarterback? Because all of that's kind of in tandem. That's intertwined. And then we'll go from there on what do they do with the cap and the outlook for 2023, brother. There, we shall see. There all right? it is. All right. It is a Thursday, as we know. And uh, he is TJ Reeves, a Buccaneers sideline reporter. Does a great job there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Has for quite some time. Also the author of the Three Dog Thursday podcast <laughs> as well, too. So hey, we're taking everyone's uh, you know picks here as we get ready for the divisional games. Quickly, TJ Reeves, do, do you got a dog or two that you like here? The doggies. Just, just the go, doggies. Who you got? Are you barking. Got? They've been barking all year. The one I love the most is Cincinnati and Buffalo. I think five or five and a half is too much. It's going to be a close game. Buffalo, especially with the turnovers. Here's a good nugget for TC Martin. There were seven teams this year that turned the ball over at least 24 times. Six of them did not make the playoffs. Buffalo is the only one. They had 27 turnovers coming into last week in the regular season and made the playoffs, and they turned it over, what, three more times in the game last week. I think Cincinnati keeps it close and has a chance to win. I love them for Three Dog Thursday purposes. And the Giants would be the only other one. I, I am not backing Jacksonville as an underdog in Kansas City, much less the Cowboys. I think the 49ers roll on Sunday. So those would be my two for Three Dog Thursday. For college basketball on Three Dog Thursday, how about Arizona State against UCLA tonight? At home, yeah, big-time West with a Pac-12 game, Arizona State getting five or five and a half at home. Give me them outright, Doctor, for three dog Thursday. You like that? I'm here to serve the audience <laughs> on the galactically famous TC Martin show I, inside the park. I, it's a good thing that we're not doing a, a three dog Thursday, or I'm not doing a three dog Thursday with you uh, for football because TJ. The dogs are going to be silent this weekend. I don't know what the quietest dog, I don't know what the quietest dog in the world is, but it's all about the favorites this week, my friend. It's all All about that. I can't make a case for any dog. You have no belief in the Giants to hang in with the, with the Eagles or the, or the Bengals with the Bills. Not, not at all with the Bengals, but you know, the Giants could hang around divisional opponent though. You know, the, the Eagles, I think are the most vulnerable of the favorites. Again, the way they close the season, but no, I think, you know, as long as they get the old line back in town, Jalen Hurts is okay. No, I, I look for the Eagles to take care of business. It's, it's kind of a big number. But remember this, TJ Reeves. I'll leave you with this because I know you're, you're getting ready to wine and dine with the family. Yep. We Very disturbing that we're losing all of these offensive coordinators as we started the show with Byron Leftwich gone. Again, you know, Greg Roman and all these offensive coordinators. Remember the gospel. The gospel is this, that you've got to have coordinators and you have to be able to to coordinate. <laughs> you do something new. Now, where'd you get the mushroom shirt? I'm trying to impress you. You know that. I know. Yeah. Now, where'd you get the mushroom shirt? I got to know. Well, the secret is you've got to coordinate. Uh-huh. Most people don't coordinate. So you've got to coordinate. When you saw me, you saw the mushroom I shirt. Mushroom shirt. Bang. Mushroom, mushroom shirt. shirt. But see, you can't stop with the mushroom shirt. You've got to go on. I'd have stopped that no, shirt. No, you got to keep going. Okay. Now, let me show you something. Look at that. Oh, you got on a mushroom belt. Ma- Gerard, did you know your pops had a mushroom belt on? Yes. <laughs> but you don't stop there, see? No, you gotta you keep going. What you got, a mushroom ring? Yes, good idea. Look what I got. Duh! <laughs> Gerard, did you know on the inside was special mushrooms? Yes! Coordinate, TJ Reeves. Go ahead, coordinate your dinner tonight. Coordinate your ensemble. Coordinate your dinner. Coordinate your offense. Get it right, brother. Here we go.
I'm looking forward to having some barbecue with the Reeves twins. It's always good to be with the Dodger. You ring me up anytime. The coordinator's hired. Tom Brady makes a decision. I'm here for you, and we will get the doctor back on Three Dog Thursday coming up on the pod. Oh, hoop time, uh, TJ Reeves. Hoop time, baby. I can hardly wait. Hardly wait. It's ready to rock and roll, brother. Good luck with your, uh, your Sun Devils tonight, too. We'll keep an eye on them. We'll see what happens. Always good to be on in the uh, desert. Behave yourself, doctor. Numbchuck, make sure you behave. See you later. <laughs> TJ Reeves, Tampa Bay. There you go. All right, we come back. We're going to the Westgate, Jay Cornegay, and we start talking about the line movements. Where's the money coming in at? Because we're just days away from the NFL divisional round. We got four big playoff games. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping it up with T.C. Martin. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, we got concert tickets to give away. Ringo Star, as you heard, will be uh, coming to the Venetian. All right, May 24th, 26th, 27th. We got that. And then before that, we've got Cool the Gang. That's what I'm talking about. At the Westgate the International Theater. Love it. Saw George Clinton last week. Fantastic. And our good friends at the Westgate bringing cool in the gang. Robert Cool Bell, my guy. And that's coming February 10th and 11th. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster or go to the Westgate and check it all out. And a guy who's shaking it up, who had this on his playlist back in the day at Colorado, the one and only Jay Cornegay. What's going on, my man? I'm not lying. Uh, yeah. Tell, tell oh, me yeah. I'm not lying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember slow dancing to Always and Forever, too. You know? Ooh, but, love a, that. There you go. Love that. There you go, man. See, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving you all props, Jay, because, I mean, you're like me. You're an old school guy. I'm giving you all the props. I, I think you're responsible for bringing these great old school groups to the Westgate. I'm, I'm giving you the credit. Take it. Take it. <laughs> Oh yeah. And yeah. You and your I, you and your bell bottom pants. Yeah. Your bell bottom pants and your open fly uh, open collared shirt back in the day and the <laughs> leisure suit. You remember that Jay, the leisure suit? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That, you know, you know what's the best thing about those? They didn't wrinkle. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, you could you know, sing the groove line or yeah. you know, yeah. boogie nights or whatever. Yeah. It it was good times back then, you know. But it, it, it's funny, you know, I lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming during the disco thing, right? And, and, uh, what, cowboy were, disco? Is that your time? There was cowboy I, discos? It, it, it was so funny because they loved disco up there. Really? It was so funny. And then, and then I moved after my sophomore year in high school, I moved to Upper Michigan and they totally hated disco, right? <laughs> and, uh, in fact, uh, in some circles, my my nickname up there was Disco. <laughs> <laughs> Disco J, there it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, there it is. I uh, love. You know what I heard when I was driving today? The last song that I heard when I drove in to do the show was this one right here, and you just nailed it. Get on the groove line, Jay Cordegay. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I was jamming. I had this thing. I was at a stoplight today. I was popping and locking. This lady looked at me like I, like I had three heads. I, we talk, I go, it's the groove line, baby. And it's funny how you bring that up today. Amazing. Nice. There yeah. it is. That's, it's a good one, is man. There a, uh, is there a uh, like an XM radio, like funky channel? 
Well, yes, Jay, there, there, there are. And actually, uh, I'm going to give you two of them. One is actually my station. It's not on Sirius XM, but if you go to uh, iTunes or Live 365, you can go listen to The Beat. Okay, I want you to go listen to The Beat. That's that's my station that I created three years ago. I want Yeah, it's The Beat. So, uh, yeah, 70s, 80s, okay. 90s. Okay. Go check that out. Live 365. or It's it's everywhere now. iTunes or wherever. And then on Sirius XM, uh, my go-to is The Groove. That's XM Channel 50. So, check it out. 50? Yeah, Channel 50, yeah. Now, and Nubchuck just, he turned on The Beat right now, and this is what we got on right there, Jay. This is not The Beatles version, as you well know. Earth, Wind, and Fire playing right now on the beat. Look at this. Are we talking sports today? Do we even need to talk sports? There you go. That's that's my that's my nunchuck uh, DJ over there. We, we can't live on sports alone. This is true. Sports and music, baby. Oh, and we throw in some food there, right? Sports, music, and food. Call it a day. Call it. Call it a week. Call it a month. Sure. Call it a year. There we go. It's a yeah, lifetime. I, I'd be satisfied with that. <laughs> All right, man. So back to football or to football uh, for the six games last weekend on the whatever you want to call it, super wild card weekend. I call it opening round of the playoffs uh, for the six games were exciting Four six underdogs covered two of the dogs went outright. But it's kind of strange, Jay, because all of the favorites jumped out to early leads. If you remember San Francisco, boom, they jumped out 10 nothing uh, as we saw the Chargers 27 nil, uh, Buffalo 17 nothing, Vikings scored first. It really didn't matter though. Seven nothing, Cincinnati 10 nothing, Dallas 24 nothing. I mean, I, I know that there was some wild in-game wagering going on, uh, with those games, but uh, talk a little bit about the favorites jumping, jumping out to these early leads. Well, someone was asking me about, you know, in-game wagering and how the, you know, that uh, pans out. And I said, well, of course it, it does vary. You know, if, if a team like, let's just say, um, you know, the Bills, the, the Bills are a very trusted public team. If they were to fall behind, people would bet on them, you know, on in-game throughout. All right. Now a team like, let's just say the, you know, most of the public were on the Jaguars last week, you know, they, but they don't have as much faith in the Jaguars as they do the bills or teams like the bills, like chiefs or somebody else like that. Um, but the Jaguars, even though they were a fan favorite pregame, when they fell behind early against the uh, chargers, they were betting them, uh, in the early going when they were behind, but then they kind of lost faith. It's like, okay, once they got to like 20, no, no, Okay. They just stopped betting them. Okay. But as the game progressed and we all saw what happened, you know, it started snowballing again all the way to the end. So, you know, you can probably figure this out, TC, but we took a pounding on that game um, because not only were all the pregame bets on the Jaguars, uh, but all the in-game wagering was also on the Jaguars. Yeah, crazy. And uh, well, we know one better. It wasn't it, it, it wasn't at your property, but so one in-game guy put uh, uh, a, a a crazy bet together, and I'm sure you heard about this, Jay, where he wagered 1.4 million dollars. Okay, to uh, on on the Chargers on the live money line at minus. 12,500. You do the math there. His 1.4 million, he was betting to win, I want to say measly, but for 1.4 million to win a measly 11,200 as he bet 
the Chargers when it was 27 to nothing. Loser. Unbelievable. Yeah. Someone asked me if I would have accepted that wager. Yes. You know, that's $11,000 wager to us. Okay. Right. Now, now we, someone also asked me, it's like, well, do you think he had an account? Of course he had an account somewhere. Yeah. It, you know, the, the operator that took it, he must have been a VIP, you know, had it all set up because – no one carries 1.4 million in their pockets, right? right? And and or it's it's something that uh, I would say that he would not do on a regular basis, but I'm going to say that he was a regular high end player that took a shot at something like that. Now, if let's just say it was flip flop, I say now I probably wouldn't have taken that wager. Okay, now we're risking 1.4 million. Right. All right. We're only a. We only get eleven thousand. You know, you know, uh, uh, it's a it's a benefit of eleven thousand, but it's a risk of one point four. You know, that's not that's not in the stomachs of the guys that I have to answer to. <laughs> so I would uh, have to uh, manage that a little bit and get it to a comfort range before we take on that kind of liability. But the first half of that, would I have taken one point four to win eleven? Absolutely. That is a great point that you made there as well, too, because from a a, a, a book standpoint, that's all that your risk is, is 11200 You're right. So, of course, you're going to take that. And so just so everyone knows, this wager did not occur in Nevada. Uh, and again, so it's, it didn't, it didn't happen here. And it's one of those offshoot properties, as I like to say, um, you know, sports books. But anyway, yeah, that, uh, that happened. And, and no truth to the rumor that it was Mattress Mac. It, it was not Mattress Mac. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, Mattress no. will, will go ahead and lay one, you know, bet 1.4, but he's not going to, you know, bet 1.4 to win $11,000. No. We know. No. He'll bet 1.4 to win 11 million, but <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, but not to win eleven thousand. Yeah, it, it certainly did not happen um, in uh, Nevada. Mm. I, I, I'll, I'll share. It. I think it happened in New Jersey, but I'm not right. Sure. Okay, there you go. Sure about it. there you yeah. go. There you go. All right. So I can imagine that the handle was great. You know, last weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. we, in, even though we won't have as many games coming up this weekend, but again, we've got standalone games, two on Saturday and two on Sunday. What kind of line moves have you seen thus far for the divisional games? Well, first of all, just recapping last week, um, it was really a great weekend. Uh, I love the format. I love the two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and then Monday night capper, right? Yeah. I just thought that was awesome because we just haven't seen that in the past. Um, uh, handle was great. Overall, we, we did pretty good on, um, especially on Sunday, uh, Saturday. I know that there was mixed, a mixture of results around town. You know, some books did okay and others did not because the, the public really cashed out on the 49ers and Jaguars. Um, we did okay. We, you know, we, we did okay on both days, but looking forward, you know, we got the Chiefs right now at eight and a half at 53. The only sharp action I've seen on this particular game was the Sharps bet over 52. Um, and now you see the market pretty much at 53. Uh, the, the, the Chiefs uh, line at eight and a half has pretty much been stale and static there since uh, we opened up. I, I did notice that there's a couple of nines here and there, but majority of the market's at eight and a half. Uh, Philadelphia, um, we opened seven, took some, uh, money on the Eagles very, very early. And, you know, next thing you know, the next few days, you know, the whole market's been at seven and a half, even though I just saw eight pop up here just a little while ago. 
Um, again, the total, we took some money there on the over. Again, over 47. Uh, it is currently uh, 48. And then the other two, very interesting, um, on Sunday. And you got the, the Bengals uh, at the Bills. And we, we had some sharp play on the, the Bengals at five and a half and five. But we also had some pretty uh, respected play on the Bills at those numbers. And we stand at five and a half. So the Sharps were split on this game. We, we thought the Sharps were going to take the Bills because they always seem to bet against offensive line injuries. There you go. Now, they won't do that on for defensive injuries, but those Sharps certainly like to play against those offensive line injuries, and the Bengals have plenty of those. So uh, split there. We opened five, five and a half now on the Bills. Total open 49 and a half, down to 48 and a half. That was just basically the market moving. And then the capper, Sunday, 3.30 our time, Pacific time. Cowboys at 49ers. Uh, we opened three and a half. Uh, others opened four and a half. And it's been pretty much all three and a half uh, until uh, earlier today when we started seeing uh, fours pop up. Now the market is a pretty solid four on the 49ers mm-hmm. with a total of 46. Right. You know, it's funny. You talk about the Chiefs uh, at eight and a half against the Jaguars, and you say, "Well, it's kind kind of stale." Is there something to be said here for maybe making a a perfect line? Where I mean, it, that that line really seems to be where it should be. But I can't. You know, I know there are people that probably can't even make a case. Well, I'd like to play Jacksonville. Eight and a half is kind of juicy, but it's Kansas City off the bye. We know what Andy Reid's like and this and that. And then it's like Kansas City. Well, that's about right. I don't know if I want to lay it. I mean, does that hinder action? Hinder betting sometimes when you kind of say, okay, well, it's it's kind of flat here or it's kind of stale is the word that you use because you know maybe you make too good of a line because usually when you know. Guys will come pounding the line. They go, okay, that's a bad line here. And, you know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I don't know if that's making any sense to you or not, but it just kind of rings rings a bell to me here where I say, well, that's that's pretty pretty darn good line. I can't really, you know, make a case for either side. Therefore, uh, I might lay off the game. Yeah, I don't know if we look at it that way. I mean, we, we look at it when it runs and say, wow, we kind of made a bad line there. Right, sure. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, and and uh, But, you know, as, a, as it just stays at eight and a half, you know, we, we're looking at it and I can just see the public money coming in. It's like, you know, 74% now of the tickets are on the chiefs, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's just a matter of time, especially sitting at eight and a half, nine, let's call them non-football numbers that, uh, you know, it could be pushed up to nine, maybe nine and a half. Um, I, I don't see a lot of attention on the Jaguars, but you know, if it does, pop up and you know some of those sharps out there see perceived value in the jaguars i'm not sure if it's at nine or nine and a half but um i know what you're saying about reed because we discussed that i mean he's fantastic off five weeks um but uh but the you know the second game is kind of very similar except that the dog is getting most of the tickets giants are getting like 65 percent of the tickets right now um so there's a lot of a lot more support on the Giants than than we thought there was going to be, but I I, I think we're going to see Eagles money, but I don't think we're going to see Eagles money until game day. I think you're right, and here it is. This is a perfect example again, which we always talk about, where people 
remember the last, you know, thing that they saw. The last thing that they saw to the Giants were, hey, they went into Minnesota and they took care of business. And despite what the final score is, they really dominated that game. I mean, they did. But, you know, in my opinion, it was a great spot because as we've talked about before, the Vikings were a really overrated team. They led the league in one score victories. I mean, they just never blew anybody away. Their defense is putrid and the Giants got better as the season progressed and they were very healthy, you know, you know, heading into, yeah. into, into that game. I get that. But, and then Philadelphia, well, we remember the two of the last three games, you know, were losses and they had losses to Dallas and New Orleans. They didn't look particularly good. And of course, then they close, you know, the season with their, their subs against the giant subs. So I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, you know, Philadelphia could be that team. Like I hate to bring this up, but you remember the Broncos way back in the day when they got upset by the Jaguars and everybody thought, Oh, wow, you know, Broncos off the bye, you know, they're, you know, they're ready to go to the Super Bowl and the Jaguars got them. And I think people are kind of thinking, well, yeah, the Giants are live here. But if you go back and look at the entire body of work and remember what Philadelphia did to the Giants where they won by 26 or whatever that was, I mean, this could, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be that, but the Eagles, if they get back to where they were three, four weeks ago, the Eagles win this game by double digits. Yeah, it's... um you know, thanks for bringing up that game. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was it. That was the only thing. I, that always sticks in in my brain. And I'm and of course, uh, oh, I'm talking to Jay, Mr. Bronco here. But there's not uh, another one that I could think of like that. Now, if you can give me another one, I'll I'll erase that. Okay, we'll go back and edit that out and insert uh, game B <laughs> to make Jay happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a Mark Brunel poster here soon. Here, okay. <laughs> Number eight, yeah. your scorecard. I, there you go. I. You know, back in that was back when I worked at the Imperial Palace, and and uh, we we used to run this special. If you you know you made yeah. a, a, a I don't know it's like a twenty five dollar future wager on on any future of the major sports, you know you could get a pennant, right? Yeah. And and so um, after the Jaguars beat the Broncos, I came into my office the very next day, and all the Jaguar pennants were all plastered around my office. <laughs> By my loving crew here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was pretty funny. I was like, uh, it was that was just brutal because I remember I'm just Romanowski just running, you know, fifty miles an hour, just running right by Mark Brunell. But uh, you know, they got onto a roll, and they, you know what? I think they went to the Patriots after that and gave them everything. I mean, that was a that was a you know, Patriots won, but it was a it wasn't an easy road for the Patriots, you know, running over that Jacksonville team because they just got hot and they play well. And, you know, you you never know when one of these teams is going to do that. I agree. I think that, you know, the Giants, I thought they're very healthy. Um, They, they have, um, you know, a a quarterback that can run and pass. They have uh, a a decent passing game, but then they got Barkley back there. Very, um, you know, balanced team. So, and I agree. I, I, you know, what we saw from Hertz is he's definitely not a hundred percent. I don't know if he's 70% or 90%, but he's definitely not a hundred percent. And some of the reports that came in after that game against the giants, the last game, they, um, you know, they, a lot of players saying that he was wincing. Mm-hmm. He's saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent. So, um, that's, I mean, is obviously a huge factor in that game. And I think it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what Hurts looks like after another week off. Now, now, Jay, did you use the term wincing 
You you can't. You, Philadelphia Eagle fans do not want to hear wincing. They're thinking of Carson wincing right there. They don't want that, Jay. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. Eagles, yeah, yeah. They can boo me, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that, there they are. There it is. Uh, uh, Courtney Gay said it. That guy over there. Yeah, yeah. That guy. That guy over there with the Elway jersey. He, he's what. He's one that did it. There it is. So. Here's the thing about the dogs, though. I mean, we know the dogs have, have been covering a lot, and we go back to last year where we had two number four seeds. I think a lot of people forget that. The Bengals and the Rams met in the Super Bowl, and they were number four seeds here. So of any of the dogs this week, now, me personally, I can't see any of these dogs, you know, maybe winning. Okay, but I can't see any of these dogs going to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I think it's totally different. I mean, the Rams, I thought, hey, they're a live four seed. Bengals, the way Joe Burrow was playing, they were a live four seed last year. I don't know about you, but I, I just don't, I can't make a case for any of these dogs. Well, I, I can. I, you know, I made, I, I made a case for the Bengals before they lost two more offensive linemen. Well, that's my now point. Exactly. Think, right. Yeah, right. I don't think they could do right. it because I thought, you know, in the early going of that last Monday night game, Against the, or it wasn't. I guess it was the last Monday night game against the Bills, when when uh, you know we we you know Hamlin went down and we we had to uh, endure and root for that young man to you know save his life. And luckily he you know they were able to do that. But I'm going to tell you that um, I, you know five weeks ago, five weeks left in the season or so, I thought the Cowboys had the pedigree to be a contender, even though the Eagles were looking like that they were going to win the division. I thought the Cowboys had that pedigree, uh, you know, and then of course Prescott just had a terrible last, you know, a uh, few games. All right. There's no doubt about that, but looking at the Cowboys, I think they have that. They, 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 they're the team that's healthy now. All right. Uh, they have the pedigree. If they can get some decent play from Dak, Dak, Kate, you know, I, I think they can run the ball. I think they got a pretty good defense. I think they have a pretty good defensive a pass rush that could, you know, put some pressure on Purdy. So if I was to make uh, a case for an underdog going to the Super Bowl, you know, it would have been the Bengals and the Cowboys, but right now it's probably just the Cowboys. All right. He is Jay Cornegay. We can hardly wait, Jay. It's going to be a great, exciting weekend. Get over to the Superbook and watch the games in style Saturday, Sunday. Uh, plenty of open windows there. And, of course, the mobile app is fantastic as well, too. And, of course, we'll be there, of course, tomorrow. Looking forward to that from 2 to 4 p.m. Myself, Marco D'Angelo, uh, the quarterback, Jay Schrader, maybe join us. And John Murray uh, will be joining us, of course, as well, too. And there's your jam, Jay. There it is. We're going to send you out. With a little heat wave and boogie nights. Come on, man. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. There you go, brother. Appreciate you as always, my friend. We'll see you over the weekend. Sounds good. Thank you. Jay Cordegay at the Westgate at the Superbook. We come back. Brian Salmon knows a little, a little bit of something about the funk funk. That's coming up. Andy Isco is going to join us as well, too. The logical approach. That's coming your way and a whole lot more. We continue talking NFL playoffs on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show.